0: Have you ever seen a really elaborate sandcastle? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like you're walking on the beach and you see something that is, it's not the kind of sandcastle that we made as kids. No, it's like a model of a real building, right? There's sandcastles that uh, literally replicate some of the most wonderful architecture that we have in the world. What is amazing about this type of art is the the builder will spend hours building the sandcastle, but eventually the waves come and wash it away. This art is not built to last. Now, of course, the builder knows this when he goes to build the sandcastle, but could you imagine if he didn't know? Could you imagine all that hard work spent building the sandcastle? this masterpiece, and then it's swept away by the waves. If we're not careful, we might fail to realize that when we build with the things of this world, it is like building with sand. We build our lives. We build these wonderful castles of sand. We build these kingdoms. We say, look how beautiful, but do you know that the water will come to wash it away. If we want to build with stone and not with sand, we need to know what will last. And now, our text today gives us perspective to see the kingdom of God. We see perspective into what will last shows us uh, that the kingdom of God has come to earth already, that the fullness of the kingdom will come when Christ returns. And when that happens, the kingdoms of this world will be washed away. So, church, what do we do? What do we do now? How do we spend these days? How do we build with stone and not with sand? The question for us to consider as we work our way through the text today is what kingdom do we seek? What kingdom do I seek? Is my hope in this world or is it in the life to come? And I will argue that we should live in the kingdom now. Look to the kingdom to come and trust the king. Let us live in the kingdom now. Look to the kingdom to come and trust the king. So our text is uh, Luke 17, verse 20 to 18, verse 8. Sorry, chapter 18, verse 8. You can find the words in your bulletin, or it's on page uh, 1115 in the Pew Bibles. I encourage you to follow along as I read this text. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, they answered Uh, He answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And he said to the disciples, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look there or look here. Do not go out or follow them. For as lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking, marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you, in that night there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken and the other left. And they said to him, Where, Lord? He said to them, Where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there will be a judge who sorry, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice So this passage begins with uh, the Pharisees asking this question. And so everything that Jesus says follows from this question that the Pharisees ask. When will the kingdom come? To understand uh, Jesus' response, it's helpful to understand what the Pharisees might have expected. For hundreds of years, the Jewish people were living under the control of foreign empires. And they knew that the Messiah would come. And when the Messiah came, he was going to set up a kingdom. He was going to set up the throne of David. And so they're looking forward to this promise. And as uh, people begin to recognize Jesus as the Messiah, they start to wonder, Jesus, when are you going to bring your kingdom? When are you going to overthrow Rome? When are you going to establish your throne? And so the Pharisees are seeing the kingdom of God primarily in a political way. They see it as uh, something that will bring them material prosperity. But what they don't realize is that the problem that Jesus came to solve was greater than their material prosperity. You see, the great problem of the human heart is not a problem of material prosperity. It is a spiritual problem. So Jesus came with a spiritual solution. And his response is aimed at correcting the Pharisees' misunderstanding. That the kingdom would, would come right there in a physical way. So he says, um, we see at the beginning of, um, sorry, at the end of verse 20. The kingdom is not coming in ways that can be observed. The kingdom is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. The kingdom of God is not a physical place. It is not a physical building. It doesn't have walls that we can walk through. The kingdom of God is not when we come into church we're entering into the kingdom of God, but when we go out, it's not there. That's not what the kingdom of God is. It is where the king reigns. That is what the kingdom of God is. And if we were to trace back this, uh, the trajectory of the gospel of Luke, what we see is that uh, the gospel of Luke is describing the kingdom of God breaking forth onto earth in the ministry of Jesus. He is giving sight to the blind. He is giving life to the dead. He is healing. He is casting out demons. And all of this is pointing us to the fact that there is a spiritual reality going on that God has come to earth. The king has come. And now, this reality continues. For us, the kingdom of God is here where Christ reigns. So the church is an outward expression of a spiritual reality insofar as Christ reigns as king. Now this has implications for us. The first is, how do we enter the kingdom of God? It's not a physical place. No, it's a place that we enter through repentance and faith. So the life of the believer, the life of the one who lives under the reign of Christ is one of repentance and faith. If you've not come to believe, if you've not come to trust your life to Christ, the door is open to the kingdom, but we must enter with repentance and faith. And then church, we must continue in repentance and faith. We must let Christ reign in us. We do that when we hear the preaching of God's word, when we seek to live our life in submission to him. And so the question for us is, where in my life is Christ not reigning now? Can we peer into our hearts and can we see the things of this world that we hold on to and can we let Christ reign? So in light of the fact that the kingdom is here already, Let us live in the kingdom now. Now, the kingdom is here in part but we know that the kingdom is not here in its fullness. We know that the world has not yet reached its perfected state and so uh, while verses 20 and 21 deal with the already, Christ tells us about what to expect when the not yet comes. When the fullness of God's kingdom come. So we have the already, we have the not yet, and Christ points us to the day when he returns. Verses 22 to 37, we're considering this return of of Christ, and he calls it the days of the son of man. Now this term son of man is a term that Jesus uses to refer to himself, And it has particular significance here because he's teaching about the coming of the kingdom. So we have this term, son of man, and the coming of the kingdom. This calls to mind an Old Testament passage in the book of Daniel, chapter 7. We would read in Daniel 7, verse 13 and 14, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Daniel 7 teaches that the kingdoms of this world will will end in all authority, in, in its fullness, will be given to Christ. But currently, the kingdoms of this world, they continue to exercise authority. But a time is coming when the kingdom of God will come to earth in its fullness. And that is what we're looking forward to. So Jesus tells us what to expect in that day when the kingdom comes. And he gives us uh, three things that we can expect about his return in this passage. First, he tells us it will be clear. It will be clear when Christ comes. Look at verse 23. Jesus says, They will say to you, look there or look here. Now, this is the opposite of what Jesus said would happen when the kingdom uh, comes in verses 20 and 21, right? They will not say, look here, look there, because it's in your midst, but then they will say, look here and look there. The kingdom of God uh, in Christ's coming on earth was like the light of dawn breaking forth, but when Christ returns, it will be like a supernova, Right, The kingdom comes in a way that cannot be observed, but Christ will come in a way that cannot be ignored. That's what Jesus is saying. And then he says, do not go out or follow them, those that are saying, look here, look there. For as lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. We need to be careful. There are voices that say, look here and look there. The kingdom is here. Come to this kingdom over here. He says, do not go out. Do not follow. We need to look to Christ. And when he comes, it will be clear. And so uh, the message for us as we uh, think about the end of days, what do we do with the end of days? Do we need to solve this riddle? Has, Has the Bible given us some code to be cracked to find when will Christ return? No, the job for us is not to decide or, or to determine when Christ will return. The job for us is to be found faithful when he does return. That's a, our job in this time in between the coming of the kingdom and the coming of Christ. Be found faithful. A second thing that he tells us, so first he tells us it will be clear. Second, really he's telling this to his disciples that before he comes before he returns he must suffer we read in verse 25 but first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation now for us to understand why jesus is saying this right we need to put ourselves in the disciple's shoe right of course we know the story we we know wh- what the messiah did what he accomplished when he came in on earth but for the disciples They don't understand the full picture. And so they look at the Old Testament and they see suffering servant and conquering king and they don't know how to put them together. So what we see though is that it is through Christ's death that he conquers over death. It is through the suffering servant that Christ becomes conquering king and it is through his death that we enter in to his victory. It is by his wounds that we are healed. And apart from this reality, there would be no hope of the kingdom for us because we do not have the righteousness necessary to enter. There would be no point in seeking the kingdom because we all fall short of his holy perfection. But... Christ did come, and he did suffer, and he came so that he could deal with the spiritual problem first. He's not establishing just a physical kingdom that will be good for our our material blessing. We'll live a long life, and then we'll die. No, he's establishing a kingdom so that we can worship God together forever, to be filled with the fullness of his glory, to see him as he is This is a glorious thing and it happens by the death of Christ alone and by his resurrection. So may we be found in him. Now the third thing that Jesus tells us, he tells tells us it will be clear. He tells us that first he must suffer and then he tells us that this day will come suddenly. Suddenly. And in fact, he tells us that it will be a a sudden separation between those in Christ and those outside of Christ. So we read in verse 26. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. Just as it was in the days of Noah. In the days of Noah, the world was filled with corruption. It was filled with rebellion against God. And so, what did God do? He saw the the rebellion, he saw the corruptness, the evil wickedness of the hearts of the people, and he found favor in Noah. So, to Noah, he said to build an ark, and through that ark, he was given deliverance, but the world was destroyed. Because of the wickedness of sin. Sin destroys, it corrupts. It causes us to hate one another, to do evil things. That is what sin does. And God, in his love, gives justice. See, this issue of judgment is uncomfortable with many of us. We love to talk about God of love, but then it feels like it is disconnected from this God of justice. So some people talk about the God of the New Testament and the God of the Old Testament. Brothers and sisters, they are the same God. God's justice comes out of his love. And God's love is incomplete without justice. The evil will be dealt with in that day. That is what Jesus is telling us. He's emphasizing the suddenness of the day. And that's why he says, if, if we read in verse 27, right? In Noah's day, they were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. The flood came and destroyed them all. And now Lot is a very similar case. You'll recall Lot is uh, living in Sodom and Gomorrah and it's the same thing, same idea, that there is uh, judgment over the wickedness of the people and there is deliverance that God brings to his elect. And so... uh, What we see here is this emphasis on the suddenness of this day, that there will be a sudden division between those who are delivered from judgment and those who are destroyed by it. That's what it will be like in the days of the Son of Man. And then uh, Jesus uh, further emphasizes this this, uh, truth that life will just seem to be going normal and then all of a sudden there will be this judgment In these examples, he gives in verses 34 and 35. He gives two examples of people doing ordinary things. The first is two people are in bed. They're sleeping. One is taken, the other is left. And then he gives an example of two people grinding grain. One is taken and the other is left. And the point here is that in that day, the invisible kingdom of God will be made visible. It will be clear who is trusting in Christ and who is looking to the things of this world, who is building their castles of sand and who is building or being built, rather, into a kingdom of stone. So this is how it will be when Christ returns. And not only when Christ returns, Brothers and sisters, we need to recognize that we will face a day of judgment. So whether we make it to the coming of the Son of Man or whether we are taken before he comes, whether we live 30 years or 300 years, it will come suddenly for us in that day. Are you ready to stand before the Lord? So we see this description of the kingdom of God, right? That it is here already, but that it will come in fullness in that day. The question for us is, now what? We have the already, we have the not yet, and now we ask, now what? What should we do in light of the reality of the coming of the kingdom? How should it influence how we see ourselves? How should it influence our day-to-day lives? What we choose to pursue? I propose that in light of this text, we should live with our lives looking to the kingdom to come. Live looking to the kingdom to come. We must know that our true treasure is in Christ. It is not in this world. Yes, we live here. We are told to live here, to to be here, to live our, our normal lives here and yet our home is not here. Let us live with our eyes set on our home. Set your eyes on heaven. Now, consider when we see disaster looming in the horizon, what do we do? We seek to preserve. We try to to prepare for that day. We want to preserve as much life as we can, and so we buy insurance. We have contingency plans. We make prudent decisions to minimize risk. That's part of being a good steward, isn't it? These things aren't bad in themselves, but these things can reveal how we respond in the day of trouble, really, reveals where our heart is. And Jesus is telling us that when he returns, our heart better not be here. We read in verse 31. On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. This is the true test of what kingdom we seek. He tells us to remember Lot's wife. Lot's wife had escaped from Sodom. But what did she do? She looked back because she longed for the life that she was leaving. Brothers and sisters, when Christ returns, will we long for the life that we are leaving? Or will we long to stand in his presence and to glorify him, to be wrapped up in the praises and glories of God? You recognize that the things of this life, the good things that we enjoy, are meant to point us to the glory of God? To, to, in that day, see Christ and say, no, I want the things of this world, or to to look to the things that they are meant to point to, sorry, to look to the things that are meant to point to God and, and to worship those things. Brothers and sisters, they are pointing to God. Let us worship God in that day and let us worship God today. And the things of this world, let them point us to the glories of God. Let us recognize that he's a good God who has given us things so graciously and let us enjoy them in a way that we see past the things themselves and enjoy the creator. Our joy should be in heaven, not on earth. And now, Jesus gives us a second thing. So first, look toward the kingdom to come, right, and to treasure that kingdom to come. But he tells us another thing. In verses, uh, sorry, chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. Jesus tells us what to do in this time of waiting. You see, in this time of waiting, we are prone to become discouraged. We are prone to wonder, God, did you forget about us? Jesus tells this parable to the effect, actually we read in in verse 1. He told this parable to the effect that they are, Ought always to pray and not lose heart. In this time in between, Jesus gives us this parable in order to encourage us to keep hoping in God, keep trusting Him, because God has not forgotten. It might feel like God has forgotten. He has not forgotten. He will give justice. And so the thing for us to take away, the thing for us to apply to our lives is this. Trust God. Trust God. Verses 2 to 5 describe this bad judge. We read in verse 2 that he neither feared God nor respected man. This is not a good judge. He is meant to uphold the law of God. He is meant to give justice to the widow, but he's a bad judge. He doesn't want to do that. And so this widow comes seeking justice, and she comes day after day, knowing that eventually he will give justice. And for a while he's reluctant, but eventually we read partway through verse 4, He says, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Even this bad judge eventually gives justice, but brothers and sisters, God is not a bad judge. God is a good judge. God is the perfect judge. He is good and right and true, and so God does not give justice reluctantly. God gives justice in good time. He gives justice speedily. Yet in our flesh, in our lack of vision, in our lack of clarity, in our lack of looking to the kingdom to come, looking to God as the good judge, what do we do? We lose heart. We lose patience. We start to believe that God will not give justice and so we try to take it into our own hands. We say, God, the kingdom that you're building, is it it coming? I'm going to build my own kingdom. That's what we do. And do we recognize that when we do this, we are casting a judgment against God We are saying that he is worse than the good judge. The widow knows, or the bad judge, even the widow knows that the bad judge will give justice. Will God not give justice? And will he not give justice in good time? He will give justice to his elect. He is a good God. So, brothers and sisters, As we wait in this time, we need to constantly see that God is a good judge. We need to know that his timing is good. And though it may be hard in the moment, we recognize that justice will come speedily. And then Jesus concludes with these sobering words. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? What's interesting about the way Jesus ends this parable? This parable is about prayer. Jesus doesn't say, when he comes, will he find prayer on earth? He says, will he find faith on earth? Our prayers reveal our faith. Jesus is calling for more than just a steady diet of uh, empty prayers. No, he wants us to come with our prayers rooted in a heart that trusts God. So genuine faith will result in genuine prayer. If we believe that God is who he says he is, then we will believe that prayer is important. It is powerful. It is, it is uh, essential for us to be Praying. And it means that if we are to persist in prayer, we must persist in faith. And faith must be rooted in the truth of who God is. Brothers and sisters, our task in this time is to see God as he is. We must fight for this while we live in between the already and the not yet. When we see God as the good judge and the good father that he is, we will trust Him. We will come to Him. We will pray to Him. And so, as we wait in this time between the dawning of the kingdom and the fullness of the kingdom, let us seek to see God as He is, as the soul-satisfying God and treasure of our lives, that we would seek His kingdom and not ours, because His kingdom, not only will it last, it is the only thing that will satisfy our hungry souls. Every earthly treasure is like a sandcastle. In the end, it will be washed away. Since the kingdoms of this world will perish, let us seek the kingdom of God. Let us be found faithful when Christ returns. Let us live in the kingdom, look toward the kingdom to come, and trust the King.